Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another of our pre-season strategy episodes. We are just a handful of days, depending on the time you're listening to this, away from the round one rolling lockout getting underway. And the good news is there is still an absolute ton of stuff we need to talk to you about before we get to round one. The practice games are done. A lot has been seen and said. It's time now for your friends here at the Coaches Panel to talk you through it all. Joining me on this episode, as he has for, gosh, almost a decade or so that we've been doing this bad boy. I got Rids. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, mate. It's getting close. Can you smell it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I can footy. definitely smell it. It's called footy, yeah, MJ. It's, it's footy time. Here. It's definitely here, which is fantastic. And also uh, a man that if you have not heard him on the coaches panel in 2023, you've probably heard him on someone else's podcast. He's the newest team member to the coaches panel. We love having him. I've got Mini Monk. Hello, buddy. G'day, MJ. It's, it's great to be here. And it's this very interesting time between the preseason games and round one. Yeah, this is the time where traditionally, outside of the round one, day one, teams come out. This is the time where people destroy their teams with just incredible amounts of reactionary, panicked craziness and work. And so... There's a lot of players I want to talk to you boys about. I want to get to some of our Patreon questions. I want to talk about structures. I want to talk buys. I want to talk about the rucks. Uh, I want to talk about some of the stepping stones we've got. And honestly, there's probably 15 players that really deserve some serious conversation in this episode that we saw some incredible performances in the practice games and maybe some cool ones and seeing some real movements either side from the community. But... Rids, I'll start with you and Minimunk. Very, very keen on this man's thought. There's probably one guy that entered into the practice game and then exiting out of the practice games with an insane ownership transformation. That is Errol Goulden. I want to get both your boys' thoughts on Errol in a minute, but straight out of the gate, Rids. Is this overreaction from the community where his ownership percentage now puts him into the fab five of our premium forwards? Or is this coaches seeing something, adapting and getting the reality of what Goulden will be in 2023 for us? So MJ, you played junior footy, did you? Terribly, but yes. Yes? Yes. If this was such an easy game, how many times did you have 45 touches in a game of football and three goals in junior football? Mate, the only time I've had 45 touches, if I've played AFL Evolution on the PlayStation, that's about as close as I have ever got. Well, I can tell you now, MJ, I reckon I went for a full season and got 45 touches and kicked three (laughs) goals for the full season combined. (laughs) Let's not understate this. I know yeah. it was a practice game, sure. there, but it's a practice game for the AFL. 45 yeah. touches and three goals. And we're talking about a kid entering his third season of football. Now, if you're not going to announce yourself with 45 touches and three, how are you going to announce yourself? <laughs> like, really? Like, I cannot understate this or overstate this enough, Rodeo. The fact is, 
that is one hell of a game of football. No question. We talk, I mean, all pre-season, we talk about having an eye test, yeah? And we mm. want to get some sort of eye test before we enter the season proper. If 45-3 and three does not pass the eye test, <laughs> I don't know what doesn't pass the eye test. 100%. But I would love to hear Mini Monk's um, thoughts about this. But we're talking about a guy who's averaged 83 last year, okay, with 10 centre bounce attendance. In dream team and fantasy. Percent yeah. a game, MJ. Yeah. Let, let's forget Supercoach for now, okay, because sure. we know Supercoach has the old, you know, the rolling up and rolling down. and There's the some waiting there. Influence yeah. and everything else. Let's just talk specifics for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team right now. Yes. How much of a jump in CBAs do we need? For this guy to get an extra 10 points to put his shim up around that top six forward, it's not that much, is it? Mm-hmm. And do you reckon a guy entering his third season would get a little natural kick in the CBAs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's I don't want to tell people that anyone's must-have because you know there's no, no such, such thing as must-have. No, so no. And I'm going to let Mini Monk talk about it and how it looks and everything else. But the thing is, it's as close from one game of practice football we've ever had to having a must-have, yeah? It feels like it. So Mini Monk, a couple of years ago, Christian Petrarca put on a comparable breakout practice game and ended up becoming one of the best forwards. Is it? a very similar path and trend you're seeing that Goulden is headed to in 2023? It has all of the same hallmarks to it. I mean, you got the CBA bump. Yes, they were missing meals, but it's still a big bump. And to have a 45 possession game and 30 kicks in that, six marks, five tackles, three goals, high disposal efficiency, high time on ground, high contested possession rate, Lots of meters game. It's absolutely everything that his coach and fantasy coaches would want to see from a player who wants to cement themselves as one of the best players in the game. He's mm. 20 years old. Third year breakout is right on the cards here. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't have seen anything more to make me want to pick him. Yeah. I just put it that way. I mean, if you're wanting someone that's a bit of value that can still be a premium up forward, Errol is 100% your guy. Totally. Uh, there's... Perfectly said about that. So, Rids, what if this is just an overreaction from the community and he returns back? We know that Mills was absent in this game. We know that some of their second-tier midfielders that, that have had a previously quite a tight centre-bounce rotation, Papley rolled through there last year. If this is an re- overreaction and he returns back to a mid-80s guy, is that the worst thing for us in the world? No. How many times do we pay a you know a price tag of 85, 90, and they don't set the world on fire after a round or two? You know what's going to happen, MJ? This is what's going to happen, okay? Round one, this guy's going to come out. He's going to uh, – like, let's just say he scores 80. I like guarantee you – last year kind of thing, sure. 90% yeah, yeah, yeah. of the crazies in the AF world – are just going to go out and trade and abandon. Fool's gold. It's a trap. It's a trap. Just stick (laughs) course. He's 20 years old, people. Like, (laughs) like, 
is it the worst case scenario that you get 85 for a guy who's priced at 85? No. So let's not overreact to the outcome of the next one. Yeah, and in a line where desperately looking for depth outside of a Super 4 or a Fab 5 before it, all of a sudden, an 85 to 90, without knowing the DPPs that might come our way, and history would suggest we'll get at least one really good one that will come our way. MJ, I love that you've brought this up again. (laughs) This is the actual conversation, isn't it? Who are we going to get in the DPP editions? What sort of average will they bump that up to push that top six forward? How many can we start? These are the questions we all need to be asking ourselves because right now I see five big dogs in the forward line. Yep. Mm. And there's potential to be six or seven, really. If yeah, you, if you want to throw more, butters and more. If in you want to, yeah. 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 But let's just say right now at the recording, we've got, let's name them, Dunkley. Dunkley sure. We've got Toronto. Toronto. Yep. We've got Cogs. Yep. We've got Rosie. Yeah. Yep. And Goulden. They're our big five dogs five right forwards. now. Okay. Can you start all five? Well, I don't think you can due to the fact that we're going to pick up some DPP additions along mm-hmm. the way. But, yeah. Minimum, what do you feel about that? I'm actually of the view that we might not get as many DPPs this year into our forward line as we have in the past. Yeah. And I've got a fairly good reason as to why that is. If yeah, you look at where through. a lot of our good DPP forwards have come from in the past, they have been from the Bulldogs mm-hmm. and from GWS. That's true. And they're two teams that have lost key midfielders, which have been causing other midfielders to push forward and get DPP. We don't have that anymore. Taranto's gone. Hopper's gone. Dunkley's gone. Who's to say that we're going to get these DPPs this year? Who's to say that these five stay as the top five averaging players in our forward line for the entire season? So I'm of the view that, you know, you could start all five of them if you think that we're going to not get those DPPs which I think is in the realm of possibilities. Yeah. No, I think, I, I think, I think that's really great points, yeah? That's yeah. awesome, yeah? That's why we got Mini Monk along tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is, though, MJ, that is 100% accurate. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, having said that, we're also going to see, though, we're going to see a few sneaky ones that might come up. We always oh, look, have, we might yeah, see a key Especially in AF. Yeah, there's a handful that we might see come our way. A Bailey Smith, I know some of us want to talk about him in a sec. He did have that half-forward mid-roll on the weekend mm. that he played so well before his suspensions early in 2022. He had a very comparable mid-forward split. Again, it's it's a practice game, but it is echoing what we've seen last year. And so Correct. And don't forget a week ago, there was all this overreaction about the noise coming out of the dogs with Bontempelli and McRae about a half-forward mid don't forget, they, everyone that? jumped off them, yeah? Uh, it's ridiculous. Well, let's let's talk about a couple of these guys that have caused either an overreaction or potentially an underreaction just from these nine games of football. I, I want to list a dozen names to you boys and then absolutely feel free to pick apart the ones that you would like to talk about. Um, LDU, 
probably an underwhelming reaction to his weekend of his performances. Josh Kelly. Yep, I got him into the podcast. Finally, I know Mini Monk got him into our predictions uh, uh, article at coachespanel.tv, including a nice slide at me for not getting him in the 50, and that's a fair clip from you. So I've got no problem with that, Mini Monk. The Bulldog trio of McRae, Baz and Bont were all very impressive on the weekend. English and Darcy have done no harm to their ownership numbers with their performances. Dacos, Titch, Steele, Cogs were all quote-unquote underwhelming to people, and I did use that phrase on purpose. Uh, Sicily, Berry, and Newcomb probably not getting the love they should, but we're all worth a conversation. So, Mini Monk, maybe we'll start with you. Listed about a dozen names there. I've said them. Who's do you want to have a conversation about first? I'm going to start with the forever. I'll start with Sean Darcy. Please. He's getting a lot of love after his game on the weekend, especially in Supercoach. I've seen mm. so many people be jumping onto him and being like, he is the Rockman you want to start a- alongside Rowan Marshall. Let's just let's just make it clear. Marshall's at R1 or R2 for everybody. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Everyone's in love with Marshall. And now people are falling in love with Darcy. But we've got to look at his factors on the weekend. You've got to look at who he came against mm-hmm. and who was missing. So Jackson has missed one and a half out of the two practice games with concussion or concussion-related symptoms. He played right. the first half of the first game against Adelaide and then basically didn't touch the field after that. So, yeah, Darcy's going to look good when he's a sole ruckman. We know that. He's looked good in the past when he's a sole ruckman and he's fit. He's been a He's playing force. against... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played against Lysette, who, look, he's an okay ruckman, mm-hmm. but he's coming back off injury. He's coming back very, very slowly, and he looked pretty poor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that wasn't Darcy making him look poor. He just didn't look really good around the ground. So mm-hmm. you got to think to yourself, he probably popped a big one because he's got a relatively easy matchup. And he's got basically 90% of the ruck share because Tracy was the one who was chopping him out. What's the ruck split going to be? If you think it's still going to be, you know, 70-30, he gets the majority of it, Jackson chops out every now and then, then yeah, by all means, you can jump onto him. But if you think that's going to flip week to week, like it might do for for Gorn and Grundy, like we saw for Melbourne, then I think there's a bit more alarm bells there than people are making there out to be. Mm. And I want to just jump in for a sec. Please. What was your take on that bandage still being on his leg? Like, is he got a mattress around his leg or what's going on here? Is that just part what he's goes out on the footy field with anymore these days? I I think he basically looks mummified half the time because he's basically covered in bandage tape (laughs) 24-7. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be worried about any strapping tape on him unless it's, you know, around his mouth and eyes and he can't see or speak. Because, like, yeah, that worries. Like, when I looked at a preseason game, and I know that Darcy's probably the exception to the rule because he's very combative in, like, the way he plays football. Mm. He loves to tackle. We saw that on the weekend with eight tackles. Mm. Like, he just can't help himself but to be physical in a game of football. Like, he mm. reminds me a lot of – he's a better version of um, Nankervis. <laughs> like, he's probably course. a less um, crazy version of Bruce, you know? <laughs> like, he's that sort of old-fashioned ruckman that just loves to be in your face and bash mm. and crash. Physical, yeah. That takes a toll, though, when especially, like, that's why he's got the injury history he has. So whilst I'm actually very excited for the upcoming season for Sean Darcy, I'm also a little bit cautious 
mm. because the thing is, like, he does have that style of play in a game of football that gets you worried. And with his history, it just worries me. Now with the Saab rule, and this is going to be the intriguing thing moving forward into 2023 is the subs back. Mm. So if Jackson's playing in the um, forward 50 and you do get a heavy knock, there's no problems with them subbing out of Darcy and just giving Jackson the run, you know, yeah. for a half a footy. That's going to really impact your season. And I know that we don't want to predict injuries or anything, sure. but let's talk through this, okay, because he has got a history around it. And the sub rule really makes it very intriguing. Now, I've never seen him look fitter. I've mm, never agreed. seen him look, move as well as what he does. The fact that he had, and I know he played against Lysett, who's not, you know, setting the world on fire right now. Sure. But he had double the hitouts that Lysett had in that game of football. Like, he's looking good, yeah? Yeah. So there yeah. is reason why this hype. I'm just cautious. I just want to cool it a little bit. That's all. Because I think it's just a bit crazy the way that we go into groupthink as a society. And we just grab one thing and we bash it to death until everyone agrees with us. At times, that really does cause a lot of problems. We need a bit of balance around the conversation. Now, it's all well and good to go with D Sean Darcy. As Minimum sure. just said, if you think he's going to get a 70-30 split and you like the way he moved and he go passed nuts. the eye test, all aboard. You know go what nuts. I mean? Yeah. But at least do it with a balanced, sound logic behind it. Yeah, I, I think so. Rids, there's a couple of guys that had... Weekends that if you were just looking at the fantasy points that the player gave you, they would have given you cause for concern. I want to share a few of these names and then I'm keen on your take. Is this a overreaction by individuals, whether that being panic or uh, content creator fueled panic uh, along the way? Is it what is it? These are the names I'm keen very much on your take. And Minnie Mike absolutely jumping off the back of this LDU. Nick Dacos, Tom Mitchell, and let's throw Stephen Cornelio into that as well. Four sure. guys that heading into the weekend across formats had all varying high levels of ownership and expectations, and the community has faded, albeit maybe gradually, but definitely has faded on their excitement about those four guys. So LDU, Dacos, Titch, and Cornelio. Let's... Have Let's a go to Cogs. Let's talk yeah. Cogs. Let's talk Cogs. Okay. Because, like, the other three, uh, Cogs is the big one in those four. Yeah. Radio sure. Right now. Okay. There'll be parallels. Let's, let's just throw this out all on the table. Please do. Cogs was meant to play an intra club game the week before. That's right. Mm -hmm. And he missed that mini -monk it. Mini Monk was that? Yep. Now, mm -hmm. whatever he missed it for, it doesn't matter because he rocked up and played in this game. Okay, mm -hmm. that's the main thing. The yep. second thing is he didn't get his loads in, yeah? Correct. What happened on the weekend? He had a knock very, very early in that game. Yeah, First it was, quarter. wasn't it? And it's like he's gone off. They were probably tossing and turning around. Do we put him in Cotton Wolf around one? Do we do this? Do we do that? And he's come back on, and he's mm -hmm. actually 
done pretty well considering his time on ground. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. if you go open up your Dream Stats or whatever the whatever app you use to go see the footy scores, and you go, oh, 70, and 70 then yeah. there's two variables to this as well. And then you go remember the night before or the day before, and Goulden's come out and done 180. You go, oh, wow, life is awful. <laughs> but if you actually watch the game of football, he actually moved okay. He was in the CBAs. He did yep. everything he needed to do. He had the role. There's another factor, though. Mm. It's about the game plan. Correct. So there was a massive change of game plan for the GWS. And we not we didn't just see it with Cogs, though, did we? We not saw it with Green. We expected it from Green to a point. Sure. We sure. saw it from Kelly. This was yes. the surprising one. They ended up playing a much more handball happy type of game plan. Yeah, get it to Whitfield and coming off the back of the packs for them to generate yeah. with kicks. Yeah, but even then, have a look at Whitfield, mate. Look at his stats for the game, and you'll actually notice more handballs. He was and kicks. actually more handballs and kicks as well. So there's a definite game plan change there, and we know that he comes from that Richmond way, the Kingsley factor. Mm-hmm. Who and Richmond won what three premierships doing a handball happy type of game. Kind of worked plan. okay, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not like, bad. So, I mean, you can see where the influences come from, but that's the thing you have to take out of that is what happens in that sort of stuff. Do these guys, should we be lowering our expectations for what they average in the season? So if you thought Kelly was going to come out and score 110, should we be realigning that and make it at 105 Mm. with like, say, Cogs? Now, if you had question marks around his role and everything else, which you can't have after that game of football. No, no, no. no. He's mid. 100% mid. I mean, I think Kingsley even came out in the press and said, we want Cogs in the midfield. Yes. He was very adamant about both him and Whitfield about their roles in the team. Yes. And what did we see on the weekend? We saw exactly what he said, yeah? Correct. Why would a new coach come out and troll everyone in the world. It's not for fantasy reasons. It's like we want Cogs in the midfield and we want Whitfield on the back flank. Play them in the midfield and the back flank and then hmm. go, oh, by the way, round one, guess what, guys? I fooled you. I'm going to swap it and actually play Cogs <laughs> up forward and um, Whitfield I don't know, I want a wing rotating with a back pocket. It's Put not half forward. It's not realistic, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you look at in... the numbers, you get worried, don't you? If you look at the yeah. score. If if you'd gone into the weekend and you hadn't looked at any of the scores, you hadn't looked at any of the games, and someone told you Cole's got eighty percent of the CBAs for the Giants, will you pick him? Most people would say yes. If you know that Cornelio is getting a high CBA rotation. He's shown that he gets the scoring when he gets that. People would be laughing and saying, oh, yeah, I'll start him. Even if he looked at the game and he didn't have the score, totally. yeah, you maybe still pick him. But it's not just him. It's the other four around him. Yeah. The other four that all had good games on the weekend compared to Canelo, who people say, oh, he didn't have quite a good game. He's the one I'm going to fade. Mm. That's all it is. Yeah. 100%. And so, now, MJ, I'm going to yes. raise another name right now. Of course now. he is. Here he I've goes. I've been on him for the whole day, right, all the year. Sean <laughs> Green. Yeah. Can you believe this commentary around zero marks? 
He's a 22-year-old kid playing his first game as the number one mid. He's the main mid in this mix, okay? We've had Taranto and Hopper leave. He's playing against opposition. He's had 34 touches. That's ridiculous. His CBAs are as high as they've ever been. He looks like a man. Last Mm -hmm. year, he looked like a boy. He looks like a man, yeah? He's chiseled up. Like, guys, zero marks. There's no surprise on zero marks. Like, they're trying out new game plans. They're Mm -hmm. trying out everything else. But guess what? He may actually have zero marks in the game of football when it comes to round one. But he only had four tackles. It wasn't mm-hmm. highly contested. It wasn't. Not at all. It wasn't. It's like, very Bruce free game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, really I just was. wanted to call it out. I'm just going to throw a little bit of a my thought process, please. If Kelly and Green are both in a game plan where it's high handball. Mm-hmm. How many points difference do people actually think there'll be between the two for average for the season? I reckon mm-hmm. 10 points max yep. at worst case scenario, okay? Totally. And that's, yeah, let's just say agreed. argument's sake, it's Kelly over Green, okay? Sure. So let's Happy say to, yeah. Kelly's averaging 105 and yep. let's say Green's 95, just for argument's sake. Mm-hmm. Who is actually cheaper out of the two in AFL fantasy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Green. the fact is that money can be spent elsewhere to, you know, shore up your rookies, to go other positions to make it a bit stronger, get a better premium, and that actually might easily cover that gap anyways. So this is worst case as well, yeah? So I know, and then on top of that, let's flip it again. Tom Green's ownership is actually pretty high these days because it's the been a bit high. Yeah, he's, he's become the mid price so that everybody's jumped on. It's actually low risk, now. yeah. If, yeah. He, if he actually fails, doesn't that mean everyone fails who owns him? Yeah, it does. Oh, 100%. And I reckon it it's probably a higher percentage of serious coaches that actually have him due to his age and his breakout ability and everything else that's happened. Yeah, it really is. I there's just the other day on the on Herald Sun and the Code Sports, I was involved in a super coach jury and the question that was put to um these bunch of different content creators was, Who have you got at M four? And I think it was a unanimous every single content yeah. creator had green through there. So you're right, the risk is there. I'm I'm curious, you brought up this great point, Rids and Mini Monk, I'm keen on your thoughts here of this narrative confirmation bias we have where Tom Green has this preseason performance, but does it off no marks. And yet we're like, yeah, yeah, cool. No, she'll be right. And then there's a premium by the names of Jack Steele, who has the exact same role, the exact same stat line of no marks, and we're abandoning ship. Can you talk me through how we make sure we don't statistically overanalyze these games in a wrong way, not in the right way like Goulden. Um, how do we make sure we, we effectively process those nine matches that we've seen so that we don't butcher our sides come next week? If we look at the example of someone like Jack Steele, what you wanted to see on the weekend was is his shoulder okay? Because that's what gave him grief last year. So let's have a look. How many tackles did he get on the weekend? Nine. Are we happy about that? Who cares if you're getting zero marks, if you're getting um, nine tackles? Like, come on. 
And okay, 100%. the game will slow down. Come round one, come round two, they'll chip it around a little bit. He'll get a couple of marks. Maybe mm-hmm. a couple of tackles will fall off. But he's done what you needed him to do. So mm-hmm. we need to look at our premiums with a narrative as to what do we want to see from them? Not what do they score? Not how well did they look on the ground? Where were they playing? What was their role? How did they look playing that role? Jack Steele is an inside midfielder. He builds his scores from getting big tackle numbers. And he's shown year in, year out that if he can average 10 tackles a game, he can push 110 in fantasy, dream team, and super coach. It's that simple. It's really that simple with players like him. I love that that statement is just there to to make the game while the game is complex and has challenges and nuances that are out of our control. One of the things that makes the game hardest is us. We we make it hard with, with the way we view things. And and so, you know, we'll jump back to Rids in a second, but there there were three players that were fascinating to me over the weekend, all from the same team. All arguable premiums, McRae, Bond, and Bailey Smith. I think if you were keen on any of those three walking into the round, you've departed the weekend of football feeling very, very content with what you've got with those three. Are we overthinking it, jumping on and off some of these guys? Because it's fascinating to see the the Dunkley departure has created this massive void of conversation and narrative that is very intriguing to me. Talk to me your reflection of those three guys and where you saw that weekend and, and what you forecast for the year. And then Rids jump in off the back of that for me. What I really liked to see was that their midfield rotation was tight. They ran a really tight CBA group through there. And that's a good thing because, you know, Bevo has been known to throw the magnets. He's been known to give McRae a game where he's only 30% CBAs and then he's stuck out on the wing the rest of the time. This is their only preseason hit out. They played an intra club last week. He's going to treat it like he's going to treat round one. There's only going to be five guys running through that CBA mix. Mm. And Bontempelli, Bailey Smith, and McRae have all shown that if they're getting 60% CBAs, they can score pretty darn well. Mm -hmm. So if you saw any of those players and you were hot on them before, as you said before, I think that they are good picks. They are Mm. premiums that you should be considering for your round one squad. But we get caught in the confusion of, oh, they might be playing half forward. Oh, Bevo's throwing the magnets. You can only trust what you see inside of your eyes. And, you know, come round one, if he spins the magnets and you can say, well, I got fooled, I got Bevo'd. But, you know... That's the risk that we have to take with players like this. And there's there's risk with any premium that you're going to pick. Who knows that a player that you pick that might be unique might get injured round one. It happens. Totally. A player that you pick might get suspended round one. Mm-hmm. There's risks in any player. So you've just got to back your gut at this point and be like, right, they got the role. They scored. I'm pretty happy with any of them. I might want to start one or two of them come round one. Yep. Interesting thing, yeah. Yeah. So the interesting thing I noticed out of this game—it's got nothing to do with those big three. Mm-hmm. We heard a lot of noise about Caleb Daniel running through yeah. the midfield in the preseason, mm-hmm. and some of us were very, very concerned around that. I don't know what it was. Okay, we heard about Toby McLean running through. We heard, there, a, yep. we heard a couple of names, but what we saw in this game, and Mini Monk nailed it, radio. We saw nailed Libba. Time. We saw Bontempelli, we saw Baz, we saw McRae, and we saw a bit of Trelaw. Yeah. That like, was it. That was it. That was it. Really? That was it. And 
I reckon we're going to see a lot more of Trelaw, and he's going to be the replacement for Dunkley, you know, in the yep. CBAs. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we need to give this much more thought about I it. totally agree. The thing that I'm really intrigued about this, though, is can the Western Bulldogs have three maybe four midfielders go close to 100 or better? Or are they mm-hmm. going to cut each other's lunch a little bit? Yeah. So that's where I get confused. I'm actually really, really big on McRae, Rodeo, only yeah. due to – and we spoke about that in the McRae 50, 50 most, most relevant. relevant. Yeah. But he's just the most proven. So, I mean, he's the one that, you know, over the longer journey, Across the three formats, yeah. But yeah, that's because yeah. there was a Dunkley there. So there's nothing suggesting that Bontempelli isn't going to step up and have a full season of – we've seen patches, yeah? Yeah, we've seen you know, 110 patches in Dream Team and Fantasy and 130 patches in Supercoach for yeah. two-thirds and of a season. And we saw Libba – we're talking about games of football and passing the eye test. What about Libba's game? He, he looks great. Good. We're talking 33 touches, eight tackles, a couple of – we're talking ridiculous numbers, yeah? Mm. That's mm. We don't associate those numbers with a Libba. Now, that tells you what sort of style of game that was anyway. Yeah, sure. But, like, we got to take it because that's the only info we got right now without a Dunkley. Yeah. So, so don't go reading too much into it, though. I'm actually intrigued, though – what is the ceiling on those four guys? I and what, what should we be expecting average-wise? I think it's really handy. I, I want to talk to you boys about a handful of mid-prices in a second because it's interesting what people are doing at probably M5, M6, um, about maybe one, two, or maybe even more. Some are being really bullish to do that. But before we do... I want to have a conversation about Tom Mitchell. Um, if you want to go and have a real deep dive around Tom, Rids and I did an episode of him in the 50 Most Relevant. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, just go back uh, a couple of dozen uh, episodes and you'll be able to do that. There was a really big conversation with Rids and Kane on our most recent strategy episode before that, just around how we should be processing that. We've seen now two games, one very simulation of a game. Let's call it a glorified training run. Then on the weekend, it was maybe a slight step up on that. Um, Maybe, Reeds, I can get you to take the perspective of someone that was bullish on Titch. How should they be approaching that game? And then Mini Monk, someone that was already cool on him, talk me through how they should be processing that. So, um, Reeds, talk us through if you're bullish on Titch and you watch that performance on the weekend. Where's your concern level? What are you happy about? What are you not happy about? What you saw with Tom Mitchell? Okay, so before we go what I saw, let's Mm. say what did I go into that game? That's a better starting point. Okay. What I wanted to see was a spike in CBA straight away, okay, from the previous outing. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I would have desperately wanted to see because that's the thing that was the most concerning, I think, for majority of people, okay, the first time. The second thing I wanted to see is how he's used when Collingwood's got the ball. Mm. So is he being looked for? Is he actually, like, getting involved in the transitions? Um, how it looks with a Adams, how it looks with a Crisp, 
you know, mm-hmm. all those guys that everyone, you know, two months ago when we did that, that top 50 or the 50 mm-hmm. most relevant that um, we spoke about, everyone was saying at that point in time that Tom Mitchell would replace someone in that midfield rotation. But as we can tell, that hasn't happened. Mm. Like we even spoke about it on that, that people were suggesting at the time that Tay Adams wasn't best 22 and he was named vice captain <laughs> the same day or the day before. <laughs> you know, this is how crazy we are as a fantasy community. We sometimes use um, a fake news item or an mm. opinion of something and then turn it into fact. <laughs> it's And then we only do that when it supports our narrative, which is always the interesting thing, yeah? Now, that's what I would have wanted to see. The third thing I would have wanted to see from Tidge is what I, not so much the score, but the way he scored. Sure. Okay? What's the kicks to handball rotate, like ratio look like? Did he have a few tackles? Did he get forward? You know, that's the stuff I would have really liked to see. So, and let's look at that game, mate. He had mm-hmm. 18 kicks. He had 13 handballs. He had 31 touches. He's, his ability to find the ball wasn't diminished in that game plan of the pies. He still found it 30-plus times. He still tackled not at the rate of a full in-season game because we don't expect it to be a full in-season game, Mm tackling-wise and everything else. And he actually scored okay. And I I never do it, but have a look at his score. He did score 90s, you know. It's solid. It's it's good, yeah. yeah? His time of ground, what, that was 76%. So that was nice. His CBAs were looking at 20 for the game. He did every single thing I would have entered that game to tick the boxes for. There was except turn up. That's all it was. But who cares if he turns up? I Correct. mean, last time I checked, that doesn't add to your score. Like it's a preseason game of football. It's, That's right. People are managing loads. Bill, people are getting familiar with game styles. People are getting familiar with new teammates. There's a whole range of stuff, and that goes on the flip side as well. Just because you've got a high workload this game doesn't mean you have won the next game when you're getting ready for round one. It means you might actually have to take a step back because you're too advanced. Mm. So there's a whole heap of stuff that's going on in the background that no one's got visibility on. Yeah, it's good. All right, Minimum, give us the other side of the coin It's ridiculous. All right. Yeah. Talk us through. I think a lot of people went into the game with the expectation that I need to see Mitchell be a 105, 110 midfielder. They want mm-hmm. a premium because that's what he's been in the past. There's a reason why he's called a fantasy pig. He knows how to get the ball. He knows how to get his nose in the mud, get in and amongst it. And frankly, he didn't show it as much as some people would have wanted to. Mm-hmm. He didn't get as much ball as you would have wanted. He wasn't used exclusively as a CBA midfielder, which is probably what some people wanted to see. And some people probably saw that he didn't exactly score well. And they think it's because of the, you know, Collingwood system. Hmm. They're wanting to move the ball faster. They want to use Mitchell as a player just to get the ball from the inside to the outside so they can get the ball inside 50. And, you know, that might be his role. That might be his role come round one. That might be what he has to do, just get the contested ball. But look, it's not a dreadful role to have. And 
a player of his caliber can still score with a role like that. So I, I don't understand the percentage ownership chance that he's seen. Like people have jumped off drastically. Hard. Real like hard. I think his AF ownership has gone from 45% to 15% in the space of two weeks. <laughs> Which is almost absurd. Like, you don't see that unless people are jumping off a rookie that's not going to be named or someone who's suddenly gotten injured. Yeah. So I, I don't know what more he could have done inside of the Collingwood system. And I'm but curious on from- that because I've been probably one of the more cool people on him talking about that concern. And yet mm. this ownership move has almost is enough to turn me to go, I'm going to jump on. To Tom Mitchell because of the move that it could make for us. I think it's because people's expectations were set so high because of what he'd done in the past. Yeah, it's people true. were going in with the expectation that he would go into Collingwood, be a four-time CBA midfielder, and go one at ten again. An mm. 110 midfielder that's priced at in the 90s, mm-hmm. you take every day of the week. No doubt. But a guy who's priced in the 90s who might go at 103, 104, which you know is probably nearer to where he might go. You, you don't say that and you don't go, oh, that's the walk-up start that he might have been. So, yeah, that ownership is probably a bit more reflective of where he should be. And so, yeah, as you say, it opens the opportunity to people say, everyone else has jumped off. I've seen enough. I might jump back on now. Yeah, yeah that, that's it. And I think we even said it at the time, MJ. I think mm. we absolutely said it at the time. He is not going to be a bad pick. No, he's not going to be no. a bad pick at all. He's there's no way he's going to score what he's priced at. He's going to score better than that. I I still believe that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Agree. I the agree thing as well. Is, and I think I actually said it to you guys the other day in the chat. I actually think I saw enough to go. You know what? He Jump has on. potential to go a hundred and five, and potentially yeah. push a hundred and ten from you know, what I saw. Yeah. yeah, people are still jumping off him, and I'm like. What am I missing here? <laughs> it's a he's fascinating a proven, one. He's a proven premium as well. Like he doesn't have to go out and smack 120 around for the coach to say, oh, I'm in the conversation. Pick me for round one. Yeah, he's he been traded he's to Collingwood for a reason. Like 100%. he's going to be a CBA midfielder. He's going to get plenty of time in the cold face. He's going to get plenty of ball. Like yeah. he's he's gone out there for a hit out. He's playing around. He's getting to know the other players at his team. He's just going to have a bit of fun and come round one, he'll all the bootstraps up and he'll be who he always is. He'll be a good fantasy scorer. And you look at it, he's had 20 handballs, okay? Now, he's an extractor, though. He's a contested guy, yeah? Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, we already knew that. What has changed out of that game that that we walked into that game not expecting? We knew he was going to be the extractor. Pies actually said it when they traded him in. He's going to be our extractor pretty much. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the mm-hmm. CBA guy we are missing. He's our missing link. Like, yeah. what did people think? He's going to come in and then have 20 kicks? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not how it works, yeah? But that role is still a scoring role. We spoke about it with Tom Green not long ago, and, like, it's still a decent role. He has still got 30 times he got his hands on that ball. Mm-hmm. Like, he's done okay, yeah? He's been more than okay. So let's talk about a couple of mid-price guys. I want to get your thoughts on some structural things. I want to touch buyers and then hit some Patreon questions before we wrap up this episode. Um 
M5 and M6 is becoming an interesting conversation piece throughout the preseason. Arguably the line on field that has the least conversation of, I don't know, what's the word? Strength and depth is our midfielders. And previously that's probably not been the case. Normally we're, we're a bit hazy and patchy on the defenders and forwards and the mids we feel like we've got a plethora. This year, at time of recording and after the practice and match simulations, it does appear that the midfield line is the shallowest of options we have. As a result, we're looking for some mid prices across the line a little bit. And there were some guys that put themselves into the conversation mix and those that maybe were out of it or are now surging back in. Here are the five names, and I'm keen on your boys' take on these five, priced differently across the formats, but all in that mid-price range. Setterfield, Warple, Sheed, Hopper, Callahan. These are five that, again, depending on the format you play, they are either very closely aligned within about fifty to 100,000 or in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, there's a bit, a bit bigger spread there. Talk to me, Minimunk, about these five guys. Do we need one of them, two of them? Is one of them the right and wrong play? These are five very interesting mid-price guys I'm keen on both your boys' take on. I think I want to break these five down into two distinct groups. Yes, please. You've got the younger guys that are fighting for a spot in their teams round one and willing to cement a place in mm-hmm. Setterfield, Warpool, and Callahan. Yes. And then you've got the older guys that are basically assured that they're going to be there in round one in mm-hmm. Sheed and Hopper. Who are the ones who scored better in the preseason? The ones who don't have their place locked down because mm-hmm. they had to go out there. They sure. had to show that they should be selected round one for a midfield role and they worked their guts out. Mm-hmm. And the two that didn't in Hopper and Sheed didn't have to do quite as much, looked a little bit lost at times, but they were just finding their feet and they'll find the pace because they know the pace when it comes to round one because they've played 50, 100, 150 games of footy already. Mm-hmm. So you've got to look at that when you're looking at these players because everyone's going and saying, oh, look at Warpool. He's got 85, 90. Look at Callahan. He tunned up. Look at, you know, look at these players. But you got to look at the narrative behind the players. And then in terms of how many you can start, well, yeah, as you said, we're looking to try and find the value in the midfield. It's looking like Dom Sheed was the play until Mm -hmm. he has a poor game on the weekend, which, you know, as we say, it might have just been because he was a load manager. It might be he's just easing his way into it. There's plenty of reasons it could be. But now people are saying, oh, got to replace him with Callahan, got to replace him with Setterfield. These are the flavor of the month picks. Yeah, yeah. I think that you can run two of them. And I've seen some teams even look at trying running three of them. I think yeah, you wow. might be stretching yourself a bit thin. And, you know, you're really banking that a couple of them are going to pop come round one and through the early rounds. And, you know, not all your mid price is going to pop. You need to have the ability to be able to jump off of the ones that don't pop and stay on the ones that do pop. I think two is as risky as I'd want to play it, but I think you definitely need one. Yeah, your thoughts, Rids, on these five guys? So I'm going to take a different slight angle at this, okay, because what Minimunk's done is absolutely brilliant, and I don't want people to lose sight of what he's just done, okay? Yeah, brilliant. So I'm going to do a different angle. Mm. 
and I know I've been pretty much in the minority about this, okay, from day one. I've got question marks around Dom Sheed only because of where the team's at right now sure. and the need to have, you know, um, fast-track the kids along in that midfield, you know, Gimby, Simpson. Hewitt, these crew. And yeah. I think I've said it a couple of times before, so there's Simpson's fighting for his job. So while Simpson's in that position, then Dom Sheed, potentially is going to be the guy going through there, okay? Mm-hmm. But there is potential that, and we saw them on the weekend, they, I think they're going to struggle. Um, so I don't want to kill someone's career. I don't want to talk bad no, no, no. or anything like that. But the fact is we know where they're at. They didn't have a great year last year. If he has a rough six to eight, ten weeks, you know, the first six to ten rounds for the season – there is potential these jobs really on the line. So yeah. as soon as we see that shift and, you know, whatever happens there, um, we're going to see kids in that midfield. Now, that's potential. That's why I've got concern around Sheed, okay, mm-hmm. because I just think the guys like Hewitt, the guys like Jinby, the guys like Chessa, they have to get time into them, Cully. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, quite a few. They go on and on. Even if you want to look at it deeper than that, Connor West. Yeah. Like, he was the O'Neal. big hype guy this time yeah. last year. We've got O'Neill floating around there. They've got to find out about their guys on the list, and they've got to fast-track some of them into those positions at some point. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's, that's Sheed, right? Sure. Hopper. Hopper, to me, is only legit in super coach and dream team due to price i don't think he's at a friendly price in in afl fantasy to actually take the next level and i think there's more comparable um options at that price point okay in afl fantasy super coach is going to suit him because he's contested beast and that's what Mm, richard to be yeah so i think he's more relevant in super coach than dream team yep it's fair radio warpool I think Warple is trying to reestablish and resurrect his career. Agree with that. Okay. And I saw everything. He passed the eye test and more on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And we have seen many articles and many bits of commentary out of the preseason saying how well he was going. So he only franked that to me. Callahan, another one. Mm-hmm. We heard articles. We've rare heard the coaches saying, Finn Callahan's training up a storm. He's best on track in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Guess what? He's franked that in his practice games. But what Minimunk has said is 100% correct. Of course he's going to. He's fighting for a best 22 spot initially, you know, straight off the bat. He wants yeah. to secure that position. There's options there. There's no Hopper, no Taranto. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my darn best to win and make that spot mine. That's, That's what right. Callahan's doing right now, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And what was the other guy you saw? Setterfield. Setterfield. Setterfield's an interesting one yeah, because just I think Parrish's calf injury is real. Looked at, um, yeah. It definitely looks it, doesn't it? He, he mm. didn't quite run through that game the way he should have in that – like, I mean, I know it's a practice game. I know any icing. He's had issues in the past, but it, it just feels real to me. And I don't have inside knowledge. I'm only reading the tea leaves sure. from a distance. 
but it just smells real to me. Whatever happens to Parrish, though, the outcome of Parrish, whether he misses a couple of games or whether he doesn't, is going to impact Setterfield. I think that's a very fair call. Okay. So that's how I see the five names you've thrown at me. If I was going to bank on anyone, it's Callahan. Okay, because mm. he's the superstar young kid. He's the future of the club. He's the reason why they let Toronto and Hopper go because they had faith in what he could do in the midfield at that point in time this year, next year, in the next 10 years. Mm. He's the guy I want to bank my chips with, mm. but that's only gut feel and what I'm thinking is going to happen there. No, I think you've both given out our listeners that like piece those two elements together both independently you're going to get some gold but you mine those two together you've got some absolute nuggets i want to talk rucks in a second i know we've already alluded to a little bit of sean okay, darcy yeah, stuff. So it's time for me to take over oh, it's rich takeover time <laughs> yep. i can't believe a guy called james sicily has not been spoken about at all this week. <laughs> he couldn't have been more impressive on the weekend, could he? Yeah. What does the guy have to do to actually have any discussion? We're talking about defence lines. We're talking about people not wanting to spend money onto the dockities. Mm-hmm. We're talking about gaps in the rookies. We're talking mm-hmm. about how we're going to cover. We haven't heard boo about James Sisley. He's been made captain of the club and he's come out in a game that was – I think it was more handball-driven, more outside, more bruised footy than I've ever seen before. Had 10 marks. He locked down on a guy. He led the club beautifully. Why isn't that absolutely screaming out to people that, hey, guys, he might end girls. Sorry if you're listening and you're a girl. My apologies. But why isn't that screaming to us, hey, new top six potential top three defensive candidate. I don't get it. I mean, the ball is going to be down back a lot. Hawthorne, I would think so, yeah. Hawthorne probably aren't going to be that great of a team. And mm-hmm. who does the ball go through if it goes down back there? Yeah, and it goes through Sicily. And Minimark, you answer me. Mm-hmm. Does he take kick-ins? Yes. But yep. if he isn't taking kick-ins, who do they look for as the number one target? Oh, it's Sicily. How many times do we see Sicily being the guy who takes that plus six from a kick-in? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Like, I just don't know why this conversation hasn't even been had this week. It's just blowing my mind. You're looking for defenders with ceiling. Sicily has got a ceiling <laughs> as much as any of the other top six defenders do. I mean, you look at the game that he had against Geelong last year where he scored nearly 100 and a half. He mm. was everywhere that day. In that first half, he was absolutely dominant. There are not many defenders who can push 100 in a whole game, and he nearly got there in a half. <laughs> so, yeah, Sicily is definitely one that's being slept on, and he's he's easily in the conversation for top three, top two, possibly even top one defender for the year. So I don't know where it went. I think people might have forgot it because it was the first game of the round, and they were looking for other players. The eyes are on Tom Mitchell and, and James Warple. So sure. maybe his role just went under the radar. But, I mean, he's been made captain for a reason. He knows how to find the footy. The ball's going to be there a lot. Why not jump onto a player like him? 100%. Yep. And what a great player to own too because he does do oh, that yeah. in spurts. I don't mm. know how many... 
like a couple of years ago, remember when Jack Siebel went into the back line when North Melbourne oh, was great and he amazing. just had spurt after spurt and he just scored like 20, 30, 40. It was ugly football to watch if you lost football. <laughs> it was disgusting. As a fantasy owner, it was, it was so excited. Yeah, kick it back to Zebel. Kick it back to him. Kick it go on sideways. Go backwards. Guess what's going to happen at the Hawks this year? Oh, it's the same. They're man. actually struggling in a yeah. game of football. Same thing. It's I the old Hargraves what... and Lake of the Bulldogs if you've played this for over oh. a decade. Yeah, it's yes. just ridiculous. And why aren't we talking about Sicily? I just don't get it. <laughs> no, I think I'm you bang you. on the money. I think you both bag on the money on that one. Um, we've talked about structures a little bit. Um, there's a lot of forward cows, not a lot of mm. mid cows. Mm. There's a lot of consensus around the top. Four, let's say five premium forwards. I think we'd all say yes. We and we had we did a big conversation at the top of this episode about an hour ago now about the Fab Five. Do either of you boys have a concern with running a mid forward? Let's use the term loosely, but a premium or a player that we believe will be in the midfield. Does that uh, damage structures, or does that actually give you the balance across your side you're looking for? I think it suits MJ, and I'll just yeah. jump in, Mini Monk. Sorry, yeah, there you go. I think it's actually needed if you're going to go four, maybe five, to get the benefits of those forward cows. I really do, mm. Mini Monk. If you are happy with a DPP in your midfield, come round six when the DPPs kick in and your rookies get it, and you run them there for a few weeks, then why can't you do it come round one? Perfect. Like it's it's exactly the same. You've got a flexibility. If one of your mid-prices fails, you can flick them forward or you can flick them back or you can flick them into your midfield. And, yeah, as as Rid says, if you want to run four or five premium forwards, then chances are you might be running a DPP in your midfield. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I've come around to it. I was very anti it at the start of the preseason. But as, as you know, the preseason's evolved and... Mm. We've seen these forwards emerge and we've seen the lack of midfield rookies come through. I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a strategy that is justifiable and I wouldn't begrudge anyone from looking at it. Yeah, that's good. Before we hit our Patreon questions and wrap up uh, this podcast, the rucks have been a challenging point. We've spent a little bit of time talking about Sean Darcy and Rowan Marshall for, I don't know, almost any coach that has decided to fade on Rowan and especially after the weekend, good luck to you if you're yeah. going to try to take on Rowan Marshall. I, I'm all for being um, gallant and love taking the game on. I'm all for that. But there's this fine line between uh, loving a challenge and being a goose. MJ, uh, you're a very it. nice guy. Let's I'm just, trying to help people. Let mate. me try. <laughs> oh, let me sum this I apologise in advance, everyone. Marshall has the biggest ceiling as the number one ruck when yeah. he's the sole ruck in We've the known that for years. game. Okay. Yeah. He's got very high ownership. He's over 50% across the formats, and it's only going to grow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why end your season after one round of football? Because guess what? Even if you're right and you've got a gut feel he's going to come out and score 20, guess what? Who cares? Everyone else has gone him. He's going to score 20. But think of it the other way. 
if he goes 150 plus like we know he has potential to do, mm-hmm. you're bye-bye. If your unique yep. pod goes 100 points less. Yeah. Just don't overthink this one. This one exactly is that. the okay. easiest, easiest selection this year. Well, let's year. put Marshall then to the side. <laughs> what the actual heck are we doing at this other spot? Is it... Because Lysette burnt himself to the ground, I would think. And I've been, at least in a couple of formats, quite interested in him and and very much faded based on that performance. If you were looking set and forget, which probably before the weekend was a less common strategy, even though historically it had been, English gave you no reason to dispute that. Wits in Supercoach has probably given you no reason to dispute that. And then we've already talked about Sean Darcy. It it feels like R2 is the pain point. But is it really R1 that's the pain point of the preseason, boys? That's a I great think, question. Yeah. That is such a great question. Oh, I think that it was R2 because people wanted to spend down. Yes. People were looking for the value option, be it Lysat. I even toyed with looking at someone like Tristan Cherry mm. at R2 because I thought there might be something there. People have looked at Asaba Radigalia at R2. Yeah. And I think that that's gone off the table now. So mm. people are now saying, right, I can't spend down. I've got to spend up. Yes. So who do I want to have at R1? Is it, as you said, English, Darcy, Wits? Let's throw Riley O'Brien in there as well. Sure. Any of those four are viable options. And I think it's very much a case of who do you like the most and pick your poison. Do you want to start the most expensive Well, the most expensive Behind Max Gorn, obviously. Yeah, yeah, sure. In English, that people are pretty confident on. Do you think that Darcy can regain his 2020, 2021 form where he was an absolute monster in Supercoach and still pumped out pretty good scores in Fantasy and Dream Team? Mm. Or do you want to go with stable options like O'Brien and Wits who have sole ruck shares? They're not in line of losing their ruck time. And they can easily pump out a 90 to 100 average. So I don't begrudge any of those options. I think they're all great options. But it's about where you want your risk appetite to be. Yeah, it's good. Read your and take. I think, I think people are so focused on the ruck lines, they're missing the point of what you're trying to achieve in the ruck lines. Mm. Okay, so if you were looking at Lyset, that's because you liked what the free money did elsewhere Correct. in another position or across your team. It's got nothing to do with Lyset themselves. Yeah. yeah, it is. Okay. So if you're going to go out and you're going to have a go, okay, let's look at English. Are you comfortable with the rest of your team with English in it? Are you comfortable with the rest of your team with Darcy? Are you comfortable with Wits? That's the point you need to be focused on, not your ruck position. It's the rest of your team and what you're not comfortable with and what you are comfortable with. Yeah, I think it's some really good advice. It's fascinating to me watch people saying, oh, you can't go set and forget because what happens if, and then they completely go through all the negatives, and yet last year the community was bullish on set and forget. It was clearly, history tells us, the wrong approach to start with, and yet we still found ways to turn Gorn or Grundy into Proust and turned him into Wits, and all of a sudden these were the genius moves that got us there all of a sudden. So it's fascinating to see hey, Darren, the community hey, don't forget, going MJ, 
for some reason we go don't go set and forget or we go set and forget in the rucks now i understand there's two positions but then we go out and we spend the money on a doherty or dunkley and we don't have any problems at all about Mm -hmm. that yet we have problems about it in another position that's crazy yeah Mm, pricer as well yeah you think about it we're happy to go out and we're happy to take a haircut to a golden this week in the forward line or we're happy to take a haircut to a yo in the back line not even give it a second thought yeah Mm -hmm. if you're going to do that in the rucks oh no don't do that it's got to be said and forget (laughs) it's like guys it's the same thought process across your team it doesn't matter if it's position specific yeah it's because there was the history there with Gorn and Grundy. That's all it is. They had yeah. done it year after year and people that had been burnt and like, oh, I can never afford them at this point in the season. But, you know, English and Marshall have history. Mm. Marshall has shown when Ryder is not there, he is a bona fide premium Ruckman who scores like no other. Correct. And English did it for six weeks at the start of last year, 12 months ago. So, yeah, those two... They can be set and forget, and you can justify starting them. I'm not saying that you should. Sure. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but it's justifiable. I think. And the same logic you used last last year, okay, to start a Gorn and a Grundy. Guess what, guys? Still. Why aren't you applying that same logic to a Rory Laird this year in the Mm. midfield? If you think Rory Laird's going to maintain his average, if not exceed his average with an earlier easy draw, (laughs) use the same logic, yeah? Yeah. So are you starting Laird? Oh, no, I don't want to spend up in the midfield. Well, it's the same logic. Come on, guys. Use the same narrative for every player, not just when it suits the player that you like. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's oh, you boys have dropped some nuggets of gold for us there. Before we wrap up the episode, let's hit a couple of our Patreon questions. Our Patreons are people that love the coaches panel and support it. There is a bunch of different tiers. There is a breakout. There is a mid price and a premium tier. All the links are at coachespanel.com. TV. They get a bunch of exclusive content and access, including in the next handful of days, our exclusive cash cow guide. It is an article. I'm telling you this year, it is over 80 pages long, plus an accompanying podcast that's only available to our Patreons. That goes to our cash cow level all the way up and our Spotify podcast subscribers. They will get that podcast as well. And there's a bunch of other great stuff that will come. So if you're not a part of the Patreon supporter group, all the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. Wayne Haywood, Brian Hooker and Scott Ramadan have just become Patreons in the past couple of days and massive shout out to those three. They've all jumped in at that premium tier level. Boys, I'm going to ask you both this first question because it's been put to the panel members and I'll throw it out to you. Riley wants to know, I play AFL Fantasy and the area that I'm having the most pain with my balance is actually M3. Interesting, Riley. Okay. So he's wanting to know from you boys, who have you got at M3 and why? Mini Monk, are you comfortable to give us just a little glimmer into your team? Hold the 29 others back from us. Who have you got at M3? I am, and it's your boy, MJ. It's Joshua Kelly at M3 Welcome, for Josh. Me. And that's because I think he's underpriced from what he can do. I think he's at a really nice price point. I think that the Giants have a really 
easy start to the year. Mm-hmm. And I really like how my team looks with them there. It leaves me with a nice balance. I like it. Rids for you. Who have you got an M3 and AFL fantasy for Riley's sake? Okay. And people are going to fall off the chair and say, oh, oh the so DTR <laughs> or the super coach doesn't know what he's doing. Guess what? I've got Traka at M3. Christian Petrarca. Nice. Love it. Okay. Like it well. He's got a bit of, and I won't say the word because I know you're going to have to go and edit it out and everything yes. else. But he's Thank got you. a four-letter word that starts with S and ends with hit. Uh, on the liver about how his season ended last year. Okay, mm. he's got a point to prove. He, he looks, does. he looks super fit. I've he did seen pass him. the eye test. Yeah, Agreed. he he looks crazy fit. So I actually think he's got potentially up to ten points of value on him mm. the price point. So that's like why it. I've got him at M three. It's good, and he's another one of those guys you made that call about Bond that's got that ability to go one ten. And yeah. one twenty plus for for seasons and stretches. So I like that from you boys. Uh, Corey wants to know super coach question. I'll throw this one to you, Mini Monk. In super coach, is it a risk not owning one of Laird or Oliver in your starting squad? Hell, yes, it is a risk, <laughs> but it is a risk that you can take. Yeah, because paying seven hundred thousand dollars for a midfielder cuts a lot out of your budget. So. Mm. If you want to take that risk on, it's definitely there, but you can definitely say that it's a risk. No question about that. All right, Rids, this one's from Ian. Can you expand your thoughts on Jack Steele? We kind of touched on him a little bit, but I think Mini Monk covered him, so it might be give you a chance now to, to share a bit. Uh, a lot seemed to have gone off. He was, I think he was number three or four in the 50 most relevant. Have we changed our perspectives on what we've seen from Jack Steele? Your take on him, Ritz? No, because I was cool anyways, only because of those factors we've discussed previously. The game style, yep. The game style, the new coach, there was a few extra things going through. Um, But the thing is, like, I actually, I'm actually, I'm really flip-floppy a little bit on him because Mm. I saw enough on the weekend to suggest me, hey, He's still got serious potential to go at 100 across the formats without even a worry. And if everything falls his way, and we're talking – and I don't want to forecast injuries or anything sure. like that, but I'm going to throw out a scenario out here. If I said to you Brad Crouch was going to miss a game, a month of football, it's sure. really only steel, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like you can go, well, like Zach Jones is going to – like we don't have any confidence around Zach Jones because we haven't seen it for quite a few years now. Mm. Like it was the Dan Hanbury discussion from the last four or five years, you know? So it's like, I don't actually think they've got that depth in the midfield. So it's going to be predominantly steel and he's going to be the main man again. So, so I just think um, there's a lot. He's proven he's done it over and over and over. Scores in every column. Yeah. Yep, he's if he doesn't have the ball, he tackles like no other. When he does, when the team does have the ball, they do go through him quite a bit, especially yep. when he's in that midfield role. We saw last year he actually went forward and snagged a few goals here and there as well. Looked good. Like he, he needs one of those guys, yeah. Yeah, it's good. All right. For you, Mini Monk, Sam wants to know, has Goulden played himself into the number one tag target for Sydney? He's a bit worried about the Finn McGuinness tag that might come in round two. So 
is he the number one tag guy in your eyes or is there someone else in the Swans outfit that will cop it? Jeez, you could make an argument that, you know, four players at the Swans could deserve tags, maybe even five. You wouldn't mm-hmm. begrudge anyone tagging any of Parker, Mills, Goulden or uh, Warner. Even Papley potentially, if they're going Papley for that. Yeah. Even some of the halfbackers could Can Blakey I throw a could pop attack. Nick yeah. Blakey. Blakey. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be tagging. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it scares me that he could be the tag target, but just as well they could say, oh, I want to clamp down off the halfback flank. I'm mm. going to tag Blakey this week. Or I want to tag the outside player. I want to tag Mills this week. Mm. So, yeah, there is definitely the potential that he's the tag target, but I don't think he's the number one tag target. I agree with And that. even if he was, it's a one-week tag. Mm-hmm. You're picking him because he's a value forward. He's got 100K on most of the other premium forwards that we've got in that, that mix. Yep. If he has one poor game, it's not going to derail your system, uh, your season, especially with the way that his ownership is going across the formats now. And on 100%. top of that, just because someone tags you at the start of the game doesn't mean they're not going to swap to someone else who's more exactly, damaging yeah. that game of football as well. Yep. So there's potential that he's going to go over to a Warner or a Mills if they get off the leash anyways. Oh, so- we've seen Mitchell move McGuinness mid-game. We've seen countless yeah. clubs make the move of going, oh, actually the game's getting won and lost here. I- I'm going to make that adjustment. All right. One last question for us before we wrap up this podcast. Brad wants to know, I'll throw it to you, Rids. Please discuss these two players. Both have had roles changed and are underpriced. McGrath from the Essendon Football Club and Cozzy Pickett. Talk to me, Rids, your take on those two boys and their mini mug. If you've got something to add, absolutely jumping off the back of that. Okay, Cozzy Pickett won't get as sharp a spike in season in the mm-hmm. CBAs because I think they're still getting him, you know, into that role. So he's going to have a jump. There's no problems about that, but it's not going to be a sharp jump. I still see it as Oliver, Petrarca, Viney. Um, it's very tight midfield rotations mm. in um, Melbourne world because they are in contention. They're going to be right up at the pointy end this year. Andy McGrath, I'm very, very bullish on Andy McGrath. In a specific he, format? Not so much the format, okay. more than AFL point, okay? Mm-hmm. he's When he was in the junior days, when he was the number one pick, this was his role, pretty much half back, back pocket. You know, he was he was a monster in this role. He looks super fit. They're going to use him at every opportunity. Like, and if you think about the seasons gone by, we're talking about Heppel, we're talking about Hind. They've used quite a few names: Mason Redman last year, mm-hmm. um, Ridley before that. There's quite a few names that have gone through that. And I have to question why they never tried McGrath through those, you know, that occasion. I know they pushed him into the midfield, wanted to turn him into a midfielder, but they never really used him half back. New coach, new perspective. It's not like Essendon was setting the world on fire anyway. So why not change it up and see where it goes? I think he's going to get a sustained run. And I think Mm. he's actually going to be really, really effective off the half back. I think. Cozzy is a great late fly in draft. Yeah, He's great. a great keeper stash at his young mm. age and because he will hold forward status for his entire career. 
I agree. But I don't think that he's a salary cap option for us this year. He may be in the future, but not this year. Good shout. And I agree with your take on McGrath, Rids. McGrath is someone who has become very interesting to me after watching the Essendon game on the weekend. He's got the role. Mm -hmm. Essendon looked to be chipping around. Like, I want to take that with a grain of salt, though, because they were playing against St. Kilda, who really don't have any tall forwards. And it was at a very windy ground on the day. So they wanted to try and control the ball. But if he gets the role, he's got the potential to be a top six defender. And he comes in at a very attractive price when we're looking for value down back. So, yeah, McGuire is someone to keep attention to. MJ, you haven't answered one question today. I'm going to ask you a question right now. Liam Baker. What do you think about Liam Baker? He's such an intriguing name that jumped out at me this week. Jaden Short's not really playing off the half back at the moment. Back in the midst. And might be injured. And Mm -hmm. might be injured. What's your read on Liam Baker? Well, I think what makes Liam so fascinating is his defensive forward status opens up opportunity for you. And he gives you so much variable flexibility, which early on in the season from a squad balance perspective can be so helpful if you've missed a cow, if you have a mid-price structure movement that you would like to make, he now opens up the ground for you in such an incredible way so that even if he doesn't pop early in the year for you, what he could do for you structurally with just one trade is significant. Um, For me, what we know about Baker is this. When he's in a certain role in that Richmond system, if he gets the role that is predominantly, and we've seen it at Collingwood, when McRae has gone there, we've got glimpses of it at the Giants, and we know it from Hardwick for the past almost better part of nearly a decade. There is a certain role that when a player has it, they are the best scoring in that system. And with short potentially not sitting in a structural piece, Baker should be right in that mix. That and I know I, that's very on the fence in some regards, but I'm trying to give people the around the cylinder of it to understand why Rids has brought Baker as a conversation piece. And I, I think with Rioli in that team, and he was in the All-Australian um, squad. The 40, week, yeah. He's the one that's going to more likely cop the attention. As if well. anyone, yeah. Yeah, yep. I just think it's an intriguing little end point to end on. That's all. I And I think he's someone you should, at the very least, go and have a look at. If nothing else, go and go, ooh, what could that be like? Because he might just be one of the juiciest little treats that we've got all preseason. And outside of Rids just dropping that name, outside of the draft conversation, not heard one person mentioned him boys you've been some absolute legends on this episode mini mark thank you for being on here my friend it's been a pleasure uh and rids as always mate some fine work from you and, and only had to pull you into line once on the episode which was a miracle really and you you know how but how long this is after my bedtime too mate this is awful joe we got to do this a bit earlier yeah did okay. you say 80 pages of cows did you really 80 say pages that? of cows 
We better start writing it. Then. Shush! Don't tell people. <laughs> don't tell people where we are in the process. Don't you worry, Patreons. You'll be getting that uh, just after the weekend. It will be landing even before the cows get officially named. You will have that nugget. Both the article and it's not an article. It's a freaking guide. It's that big. Plus the accompanying podcast. Uh, if you want to go and read any of the articles, we've been dropping every single day at CoachesPanel.tv. You can go and check them out. Whether they're the predictions, the match reviews, some strategy stuff, some team reveals will start coming in the handful of days before round one. We've got you covered to make sure if you're not sure who's getting named round one, we'll reveal them for you at coachespanel.tv. And as I said, for our Patreons at any level, you get this guide, the podcast and the big 80 plus pager for just a couple of bucks a month you get that resource that is exclusive or you can jump over to spotify where if you've listened to the podcast there you can sign up to the monthly option and not only will you get those episodes that you can check off the back of the cash cow you can go and check out all our keeper content and in season is an exclusive for our premium tier and our spotify subscribers only you get a round review episode from me so there's a bunch of free stuff that we give away but there's also a lot of stuff that only our patreons get all the details to join the patreon group you can find that at coachespanel.tv we're about a week away from round one getting underway. Still lots to discuss in the preseason, and you get plenty more from us here at the Coaches Panel in the next couple of days. <laughs>